0: pastors away at another church, Pastor Wes Harding is continuing our series. Pastor Wes and his wife, Jerry, have been married for many years and we're so blessed to have them part of our church as they help take care of pastoral leaders around the country with Standing Stone Ministry. Let's open our minds and prepare our hearts for all that Jesus is wanting to do in us today. You ready? Let's go.
1: Oh, wow, what a great interview introduction, trusting. Uh, It's great to be with you all today. Um, What uh, joy it is to be able to speak about relationships when things are going right. It's not fun to talk about relationships when things are not going too right. Um, But as they said, uh, my loving, beautiful, talented, and amazing wife, Jerry, and I have been married. We're newlyweds. We got married in September of 1996, and uh, we are uh, enjoying life uh, here in North Carolina, where the Lord has us to care for pastors, ministry leaders, and missionaries, and uh, God is good. Um, He leads us every day, and the best thing I could do as I prepared for today was just spend time with Him. Has anybody heard the word abide recently? Show of hands. I forgot to tell you, I'm kind of an interactive person, and I'll stand up here and not say too much until I get some interaction, so we could be here way past lunchtime, or we could be here in and out really quick. So abiding, does anyone, anyone heard of abiding recently? Yes. Okay, abide, abiding is in John 15, where Jesus says, you can do nothing without me, but as long as you abide in me... As a vine and branches abide together, we can do everything together. So I want to talk a little bit of a, about abiding today, but before we get into that, we just I just want to do a quick review. Week one, we were talking about fighting for our relationship, and week two, we were talking about life-giving communication, and today is week three, and I want to talk about leading in love, God's love, not man's love but leading in love and i really cannot think of a better relationship that talks about abiding that talks about communion that talks about encouragement that talks about the love of it is than the relationship called the trinity Oftentimes, we don't really understand the Trinity and how it works because we have three distinct beings. We have three distinct characters, but they're yet one God. Matter of fact, we'll see that. So, this morning, we're going to go through Genesis. We're going to talk about how uh, the Trinity works together, how they wanted to create man in his image. Then, we're going to talk about how man should not be alone. Then, we're going to go to Psalms and understand that God created us and knitted us in the womb of our. Uh, mother, and then we're going to go to um, where's what's the next one here? Oh my gosh, darn! I thought I was going. Yeah, then we're going to Ephesians five thirty three, which all talks about husband and wife relationships, which is one a turning point for my wife and I when we were going through our difficult years. Uh, we affectionately call it our five years of hell that we did as a couple, but we stick stuck with it. It was year two or three. Till year uh, seven or eight. We kept trying, we kept working, but we have um, benefited from that difficult time. And then we're gonna end up with the Lord's Prayer. So that is where we're going. And before we start anything, I always like to submit what we're doing and where we're going uh, to the Father. So would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, I just pray that um, today is about you. Lord, which each one of our hearts acknowledge you? Would we worship you if we've already done? Would we submit to you? Would we abide in you in such a way that people see Jesus in every interaction, that we listen to the Holy Spirit, that we're guided by the Holy Spirit, and that we walk in the Holy Spirit? So, Lord, have your way with us this morning. Let this be about you and not about us. In Jesus' name. Amen. So Genesis talks about the Spirit hovering over the water. God the Father, God the the Father was telling the Spirit to hover over the water um, in Genesis 1 1. And then a little bit later on in Colossians, it talks about Jesus as the creator of all that we see. It says that nothing was made without the Son. So we have God the Father that's directing this creation of the world. The Spirit is hovering over the waters, and then it is acknowledged in Colossians that Jesus made everything. God the Father directed it, the Spirit hovered over it, and the Son carried it out. At the baptism of Jesus, we also see the Trinity again appear. Jesus goes underwater, and as he comes up, what descends down on him like, what descends down on him in the place of the Holy Spirit? Who, yes, sir. The dove. Excellent. So the dove, Jesus comes up, the son comes up out of the waters, baptized, and the Holy Spirit comes down upon him as a dove. And then what does the father say out of heaven? You can't answer all the questions. Huh? What does the father say? Does anybody know? You can't answer all the questions. Anyone? What, do you remember what the Father said? Go ahead. Yes. This is my son I love. This is my right. Listen to him. This is my son who I love. I'm well. pleased. listen to him. Now, Jesus had done several years of ministry and proved himself, and he was quite capable before this, right? Yeah. No. Jesus did not start his ministry until he was baptized. And yet his father... When he came up out of the water and Jesus had done nothing in public ministry, had not healed a single person, had not cast out a single demon, he said, this is my son who I am well pleased. Boy, I could sure use that from my dad, right? Without even doing anything, I could hear, this is my son who I am well pleased. So the Trinity comes up there. So that's why I look at the best, to use the best, to be the best, and I want to form my relationships after the Trinity. So in Genesis 1.26, I use the ESV, which is the English Standard Version, um, or the Entirely Inspired Version. Um, It's one of the better uh, versions of Scripture for me. It's the most readable, most direct Uh, And that's what I use. So then this is what it says in 126. Then God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion. Now listen to this. This is interesting. Let them. He said, let us make man. And then he said, let them have dominion. So there's obviously going to be two, but God only created one to begin with dominion over the fish of the seas, the bird of the airs, um, the heavens over the livestock, over all the earth, over every creepy thing that creeps on the earth. God says, let us make man in our image. Right there, he is acknowledging the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, let us do it together to create this. This, for me, is a sign of love. Now one of the things that Satan really hates about us us humans is that we are created different than he was. Satan was created as a, as an angel. Matter of fact, he was the worship leader until he wanted to be in the place of God. And God kicked him out of the out of the heavens. He took a third of the angels because God cannot have pride. In his, uh, where he is uh, living, where he is where he is existing, there cannot be pride there. So Satan's cast out. So then he created man in his image. What is the image of God? When I say God created man in the image of God, what does that look like to you? What's an image of God that somebody comes with? You can answer one question, huh? Okay, us looks like us. But what about us that reflects God? in the Trinity. Anyone? Spirit. Spirit, Okay, good. What else? We're thinking really theological stuff. Let's get some really other stuff. What Trinity-wise, talk to me. Come on, you guys haven't had your coffee today? Man, the Lord woke me up at 5.30. Yes. We We have a body. Okay. All right, let me zero in a little bit different. What characteristics acknowledge who God is? What characteristic? Yes. Go ahead. Worship. Worship. Love it. What else? Huh? Love. Love. Great. What else? Joy. Joy. Yes. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. Okay. Those are all emotions. What about power? What about strength? What about refuge? What about joy? What about contentment? What about wholeness? What about health? What about unity? What about community? What about believing the best for the other? I have just a few things that I came across, and I would encourage you this week at some moment, say, Lord, what part of you do you want me to know better? What part of you... Do you want me to know better? So some of the things I was thinking of, love, unity, community, humility. God is a humble God. Kindness, gentleness. And then I went to the fruit of the Spirit. I really believe that the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians talks about who God is. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. He is all of that. God is our power, God is our creativity, God is our ability, he is our strength. So when we are made in his image, those are things that are God, right? We don't look at the negative part of our bodies or the negative part of our relationships because those are not from God. God is good. All things good come from God, right? None of the bad stuff, all things good come from God. So when you look at the relationship that we have in the Trinity, they abide with one another, they defer to one another, they love one another, and they acknowledge one another. So let's go on to Genesis 2.18. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I'll make a helper fit for him. It is not good For man to be alone. He said, I'll make a helper fit for him. So what did God do? Yes. Great. But what did he do before that? Ah, caught you there, huh? What did he do before he made a helpmate for man? Hmm, Bible history 101. He made all of the animals come and parade before him. And it was at that point that man named each species of animals. And so however many species were at that time is insignificant. But the whole parade of animals came before Adam and he named them. And at the end of it, Adam said, I don't have a helpmate. I don't have a helper. So then what did God do? He Made him fall into a deep sleep, pulled out a rib, and fashioned a woman out of him. And he was so excited that when he woke up and God said, here, I made this for you. He goes, whoa, man, that is cool. Wow, you made her for me. That's awesome. When was the last time we said that to our wives? When was the last time we said that to a close friend of mine? Wow, I am so thankful that God brought you into my life because you bring light to me. You bring joy to me. You bring encouragement to me. Wow, God has sure blessed me through you. So God knew. God knew that all those animals would not be good enough for Adam So he brought a woman to him. And then the other interesting point, not to belabor this, but another interesting point about this is that when God made Adam, he put him where? In the center of the garden, right? And he said, you can eat anything. You have dominion over everything. The only thing you can't do is eat from two trees, correct? He told that to Adam. He didn't tell that to Eve. It was like God saying, I am directing the life of all of humanity through you, Adam, and you need to communicate what I'm communicating to you to Eve. Isn't that interesting? I always thought that they were together. And then there's the whole sin thing, but we're not talking about that to now. So God did not allow man to be alone. He created community community for us because he was in community himself and that the community that he was in, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, was so good and was so life-giving that he wanted to bring more, a like-minded, a like person, a like image into that love fast that he was having. He wanted to have all that. This, for me, is a sign of love. It's a sign of God's love. And then there's also God weaving us together in our mother's womb. Let's turn to Psalms 139, 13 through 14. This is out of the uh, Old Testament and uh Robert was talking about the Psalms and how David, I love David. Every other Psalm is really God kill them. They just are terrible, and you shouldn't make them live. But you are king of kings and Lord of lords. You are king. So this is not what David's talking about, but Psalms 139, 13, and 14. It says, for you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. You formed me and knitted me together in my mother's womb. This is such a sign of love. It's a sign of God's love. And when I read this, I was going, oh, wow. I had like this epiphany. Anybody knit, you know, needles and yarn? Anybody doing that anymore? No? That's why everybody's so uptight, out of of sorts, and freaked out, because they're not doing any of that stuff. I was just... My grandmother knitted, and she was one of the most peaceful people I've ever met. And I always wondered why. It says right here look at this. Look at this. This is amazing. You formed me. This is talking about God. You formed my, me. You formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. God is a knitter, <laughs> He loves knitting. That's why there's so much peace in knitting. Go out and get some needles and some thread and take up knitting this week. You may have a lot more peace. Isn't that great? Our God is a knitter. That is just so amazing. So in the mother's womb. So this, I want you to really understand that. This right here to the world is blasphemy. This right here to where God is involved in our birth. God is involved in us being formed in our mother's womb. That means from the point of conception, there is a baby, there is a life form there that is able to um, reflect the goodness, the greatness, the beauty of God, right? That is in the womb. So remind others that we are formed and knitted into the womb. Now, moving clear across the book of the Bible, and we're going to land on Ephesians 5.33. And I want to spend a little time on this. Ephesians 5.33, it says, However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Now, I use this in premarital counseling. And... Yeah, I'm going to go. I mean, this is not on the big screen, but I'm going to tell you a little bit more about Ephesians 5. This is what really kind of helped my wife and I uh, transform out of selfish living together to lovingly living together. Ephesians 5:22 through 33. I'm just going to read the first couple of verses, 5:22 and 23. It says, "Wives, submit to your husband." This is Ephesians. This is from Scripture. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and he himself its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything to their husbands. Then the caveat to this, because a lot of the wives hear this and they're going to say, I'm not submitting to my husband. you got to be kidding me. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. For he who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh. But nourishes it, cherishes it, just as Christ does to the church. So we are the members of His body. So the premise of this is: women are not suppo- wives are not supposed to be do- do- doormats. Wives are not supposed to be. Um, acquiescent, if there is any kind of abuse whatsoever. That is not what we're talking about. We're talking about husbands. You have the responsibility of building into your family a structure to where you love, cherish, care for, encourage, believe for, wanting the best for your wife. And then as your wife understands your love for her, as Christ loved the church. Now wait a minute, what did Christ do for the church? What was his ultimate thing? Anyone? Died. Died. Yeah. And he just didn't just die. What happened? Right. But before that, he was beaten. He was scourged. He was tortured and he was hung on a cross in shame. He did that for his church. Husbands, I'm not telling you go pick up some nails now and show your wives how great you are. But what I am saying is that there is a point where we as husbands have to be devoted to our wives in such a way that we want to build them up. We want to encourage them. And we want them to be everything that God wants them to be over our own person. Okay? God says that wives submit to your husbands so long as your husbands love cherish, care for, nurture, provide for your wives. Does that make sense? Most, I, really, when we do, when I do counseling, it's like submit to your husbands and they're (laughs) going, what? You got to be kidding me. All right, so do we have enough time for this? Yes, we do. Okay, so, um, this man and this woman, older couple, going to see a doctor. Um, this was, I don't know, a couple weeks ago. And uh, had an exam. He wasn't feeling well and just wasn't really sure of what was going on. So they went in, got the exam and everything else. The doctor called him in for a consultation. And he called the husband in first, left the wife out in the waiting room and talked to him. And he came out and he looked kind of uh, upset and didn't really know what he sh- should be doing. Kind of sat there. Just kind of stunned, and the doctor told the wife, Come in. She sat down across the desk, and he said, I, the doctor, said, I don't know how I'm going to tell you this, but your husband doesn't have that long to live. Um, we did everything we can, um, so you can let him live and provide him to live a little bit longer as long as you cook whatever he wants, keep the house clean be nice, be physically affectionate, wear nice things, and just kind of put him first. And, you know, maybe that'll extend his life a little bit better. And she goes, that's all? He goes, yeah, you know, I mean, allow him to go out and hang out with the buddies and go play poker and whatever he wants to do. Just, you know, take care of him. So, um, she goes, okay, no problem. So she walks and walks out the door and shuts the door b- behind her. And the husband said, so, uh, What did he say? And she said, you're going to (laughs) die. Sorry, that's one of my favorite ones. So anyway, so husbands are to love their wives, and wives are to respect their their husbands. Husbands love their wives. Wives respect their husbands. It is unnatural for a man to love. We don't do it naturally. We have to work at loving. We have to work at putting somebody first. We have to work at being more attentive about our spouse than we do ourselves. We naturally, I don't know if you know it, guys know this or not, but men are really naturally selfish. And so we can just be walking through the hallways. We can be walking through the house. We can be stepping over stuff and not knowing anything. We could be doing all this. All right? So it's not natural for men to love their wives. It's also not natural for women to respect their husbands. To respect their husband is to acknowledge them to be the provider, the um, overseer, the um, caretaker of the family is to acknowledge and encourage them to be that way but women don't naturally respect, they naturally love. So what God is asking us to do right here is he's asking us to come out of our uh, natural tendencies and to learn and to get involved in our spouse or in our best friend or in our pastor or in a community leader's group to learn about them and understand them in such a way that we can love them and respect them as best we can. It's to become, get out of your own skin what is natural to you and learn about your partner. Learn about your best friend in such a way that you will be able to anticipate their needs. Anticipating needs is the ultimate way of knowing someone without even allowing them to ask you, without even uh, having them to call you up and say, I really need some help. It's being able to be there on the front door, being able to call them, or, not call them, nobody calls any day, anybody today. Everybody texts everything. So you text them and say, hey, I was thinking about you today. Example of that, I was talking uh, yesterday. I was preparing for this. My wife was out of the house, and I felt an urge to text a brother of mine uh, who's a fellow shepherd in Washington. I texted him, and I, I didn't text him. I called him. Good for me. Yay. So I call him, and I said, hey, Brad, what's going on? Um, just want you to know. Uh, Lord put you on my heart. I'm praying for you. What's going on? Just let me know. Called me back. Two hours later, and he said, how did you know? How did I know what? He said, I was admitted to the hospital yesterday, and we haven't told anybody. And I said, I didn't know. I was just abiding with the Holy Spirit, and he communicated to me to call them, to call you. And so when we provide that opportunity, the Lord's going to be able to speak to us, and we're going to be able to communicate to others without them even knowing it. And God was so instrumental in that. I could tell you a whole different story, but I'm not going to. But the point is, is that when we provide time for God to act in our lives, God will act in our lives so that we can impact those around us. Let me say that again. When we provide time, open space to where we're not doing work, to where we're not doing kids, to where we're not doing church, to where we're not doing, not doing, where we're just paused, when we have that open space, that's when God can speak to us and go, Hey, call Harry. Hey, send an encouragement, encouraging word to Jordan. Hey, right? That is the opportunity for God to connect us. The greatest love that is shown, I believe, is actually in the Lord's Prayer. And I want to conclude with this. And I'm not the typical pastor that says, in conclusion, and that lasts for another 30 minutes. So I'm really, hopefully it's going to be 29 minutes. But the Lord's, I really want to talk to you about um, the Lord's prayer. This is a sign of God. This is a sign of God's love. Let me read it, and then I'll break it down real quick. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven, give us this day our daily bread, and forgive our debts as we forget our debtors. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. This is a sign of love. This is God's love. So let me break it down real quick. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. God is no longer a distant entity that we have to reach. God is no longer a person that we have to dress up, cleanse ourselves, bathe ourselves, present ourselves, wash ourselves of sin, and get to him. Jesus is saying, no, your father is welcoming you right now, right the way you are. Hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. God the Father is Abba Father, Daddy Father right now. If you don't have an earthly father, he is the father to the fatherless. Abba Father, he is not angry, he is not mad, he loves you, and he wants the best for you. In this moment, Jesus transformed God into God the Father who is intimately interested in you and in every detail. And then the next section, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, send your kingdom. What is God's kingdom? God's kingdom is wholeness. God's kingdom is love. God's kingdom is health. God's kingdom is community. God's kingdom is unity. It's not misunderstanding. It is clear communication. Lord, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, give us this daily bread. Give me enough for today, Lord. I don't want to worry about tomorrow. I don't want to worry about tonight. Give me enough for today. Lord, give me my daily bread. And the bread is just not physical, but it's spiritual. Lord, give me a touch. Give me just one touch. Give me just one touch so I can share that so that I can encourage someone else. Give me my daily bread and forgive us of our debts as we forget our debtors or Lord, forgive me when I don't trust you. Forgive me when I'm full of fear and oh Lord, teach me how to forgive others (laughs) the way you've forgiven me. Teach me how to ask for forgiveness. Teach me how to give forgiveness. Jesus, you died for me. Teach me. Your last words were, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Lord, teach me your forgiveness. Let me receive your forgiveness. Let me give your forgiveness. Let me ask for forgiveness. Your kingdom come. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever forever and ever. Yours is the kingdom and the glory and the power. Defer to who God is. Don't do this on yourself. God has walked down the path before you. He has laid a foundation for you to walk in. Defer to God. He is the power. He is the kingdom, the kingdom of love. He is the glory. Forever and ever. Lord, bring your kingdom here. Bring your joy. Bring your peace. God, Abba, Father, bring your love here on earth as you have it in heaven. God, Abba, your will be done in every place and in every situation and in every relationship. And this final verse that I'd like to close with is in Romans eight fifteen through 17. This is not on the slides, this was uh, the Father, uh, Holy Spirit asked me to add that this morning. So this is the message too. The message is a paraphrase. It's not a direct translation, but it is powerful. So this is, a, this is a verse that was introduced to me, I don't know, three or four years ago that I just love. It's my encouragement verse when I'm really feeling in the doubt. So Romans 8:15 through 17. And then we'll pray after this. Matter of fact, you know what? Why don't you all stand? And uh, and then I'll close in prayer after I read this. But let me read this, okay? So listen with your heart. Listen with your heart. Romans 8, 15 through 17. This resurrection life you received from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. It's adventurously expectant it's adventurously expectant greeting God with a child like what's next Papa what's next Papa what's next Papa God's spirit touches our spirit and confirms who we really are God's spirit touches our spirit and confirms who we really are We know who he is. We know who we are. Father and children. And we know that we are going to get what's coming to us. An unbelievable inheritance. We go through exactly what Christ goes through. If we go through the hard times with him, we will certainly go through the good times with him. the resurrection life that God gives us is not timid nor grave-tending. It's adventurously expectant. Like, we're going to have a baby. Wow, what's next, Papa? We're going to have a new day to where we get to share your love. We get to share your joy. We get to share your peace to those who are around us. We get to pray for somebody in the store for wholeness and healing. What's next, Papa? We get to buy somebody a Starbucks in the car behind us. What's next, Papa? We get to call a friend who's battling, and we have no idea what they're battling is. What's next, Papa? How can we be used? How can we be used to share who you are? Thank you for letting me be here this morning, as I often do when we close in prayer. Please hold your hands out, if you can, one hand or two hands, like you're expecting some water or the, I want the Holy Spirit and Father to give you something in your hands. So hold your hands out, and I'll pray. Father God, thank you for our time here this morning. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are alive, that you are moving, that you are caring, that you are loving. That we do not have the spirit who is a grave tending, shrinking back spirit, but we have one who is adventurous adventurously saying, Lord, what is next? What's next, Papa? So, Lord, with our hands that are open, I pray that you would deposit encouragement. I would pray that you deposit your love. I pray that you would deposit your wholeness your completeness, your mercy, your grace, your wisdom, your power, your strength, your courage, your foundation. Lord, fill us up to overflowing so that we might be able to go out and impact a world that is so scared to death they have no idea which way is up, but we can draw them to Jesus. We can acknowledge them and bring them to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So, Father, fill us up. Fill us up, Lord. Fill us up to the full of the fullness. Fill us up, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Can we just celebrate our God? Can we just thank Him? Thank Him for His presence in this place. And thank Pastor Wes for an amazing word today. It is so, so good to hear a biblical perspective about relationships, which is something for me, I've always struggled with. So thank you for, for speaking to it. Um, but today we have one final act of worship. Um, what we do is we offer our tithes and offering to the Lord. And so you'll see different ways come up on the screen for different ways to give. When we give, we're thanking God for how much he's given to us. And we can never repay that debt to him, ever. But our small sacrifice is one of those ways to open that space for God to move. It opens up space in our lives for him to do something that we're not expecting him to do. And another thing, if you're a first-time guest, we are so happy that you are here today. We want you to feel celebrated and seen, and we just want to make sure you drop off your card at the little info center in the front You'll get a gift, a child will be fed. Um, And last thing, because they gave me the mic, I'm gonna plug students real quick. So (laughs) yeah, we love students here. If you have a sixth to 12th grade current student, uh, our AXIS registration went live and AXIS is a summer conference in Memphis, Tennessee, where we take our students to every summer. We're also gonna do a free fun day in Nashville this year. Um, And so you can go ahead and sign up online. And if you need scholarships or anything like that, you can come talk to me. Uh, And lastly, we also have students tonight at 5 p.m. at the Franklin's house. If you need the address, come find me. But we hope you have an amazing week, loving people intentionally, loving when it's hard, uh, stepping out and doing what's not natural for you. So we love you guys. Have a great week, Waterview.